Welcome to the Coach's Table Podcast, where coaches come to grow personally and professionally through real-world application and online education. What is going on, everybody? Um, man, August is flying by. It's so crazy that preseason is on. It's so crazy that college football starts next week, which is exciting. Uh, for some teams and also not exciting for those teams that are going to lose. So um, there's always a winner and a loser, but it's so great because the summers, I don't know about y'all, but the summers just absolutely fly by for me. Um, it's crazy. We think that we have time to do this, this, and that. And then it's like those 90 days, those 120 days just freaking move. And it's so fast. Um, but I'm super excited to get into the season, super excited for everybody because football is on now and it's great because it's literally on i think five days a week six days a week something like that so you can't be upset about that but um guys we do have a guest on today and she's awesome we've been talking for a very long time prior to uh even hitting the record button which is great but before i bring her on and formally introduce her guys do us a huge favor okay if you enjoy the show share the show okay that's the only way the show grows and it takes 10 seconds of your life to share the show whether you're listening on Spotify or on YouTube, because we do the full-length episodes on YouTube as well. And it takes 10 seconds for you to leave a review. Okay, the review is super important as well because it lets other coaches, other sports, other athletes know that this podcast is valuable. So do two things. One, share the show if you get value out of this. And then two, leave a review. On Spotify, it takes 10 seconds. On YouTube, it takes 10 seconds. That's my only ask of y'all. So if you could do that, that'd be much appreciated. And that is for every single episode. You guys are doing a great job of growing, which is awesome. But we need you to share the show and we need you to leave a review. Okay, that is the biggest component. So without further ado, good friend of mine, um, Mrs. Jill Brown, what's going on? Nothing much. Just one week into football camp, volleyball starting up, soccer starting up. So like you said, just starting to get back into it. And it's the craziness is about to begin. So yes. This is the calm before the storm, yeah. if they will, you <laughs> yeah. know? I'm like looking at my week this week and we were kind of talking about, I'm like, yeah, I don't have anything to do. I don't have any teams. I'm like, cool. Like I'm not going in or I'm not going in until this time. Yeah. And then it's like when next week comes, it's like, boom, yeah. you're so Sa busy. Trying to savor the the sleeping in as, as long as I can. So yes. once yes. teams start rolling at 530 again. So, which is crazy because what I found out about you, um, and this is maybe opposite to a lot of strength coaches is you're not a morning person. I'm not either. <laughs> if I could sleep till nine ish every day, life would be good. Eight ish, eight, nine ish. Awesome. <laughs> very, very optimal because I'm a, I, I like, I'm a night owl. So I don't yeah. mind going to bed at like midnight, one o'clock which is bad. And for anybody listening that hears me preach, like go to bed at this time. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's like, I prefer to stay up later than get up earlier. But that's just me personally. Yeah, no. And while we were talking about, I've been asked multiple times, like in interviews or just in general, like what's your least favorite part of your job? And it's not the athlete, the crappy athletes that sometimes cross our path. It's not sport coaches. It's not the hours it is literally getting up really early at the butt crack of dawn. Um, yeah. But you're never going to walk in my weight room at 6am and know that like I, you got to fake it till you make it. And then once you, yeah. once you start, you get going, but there's yeah. multiple times on my way to work. I like have the windows down music blasting <laughs> and I will scream to wake myself up. Like just, I'm, it is, yeah. ha has happened yeah. sometimes in my office just to, to really get it going, but get it going. 
Yeah, but you just got to get the juices flowing, and then it's all fine. But yeah, mornings are not my forte. Um, I'm not waking up at four thirty in the morning if if it's a Sunday. <laughs> you know what's the scariest part is like when you're driving and you completely zone out for x amount of time and then you like snap back to it and you're like how did i get <laughs> to I get here to? am i okay like did i like, hurt anybody getting an accident did, did a deer cross did literally. was i swerving like literally you're like was i even listening to music i can't remember <laughs> if i'm listening to me and then it's like now everything's like your senses it's like oh shit bro like or the yeah. worst is like maybe you had a bad day at work the worst drives are when you you're so focused on like what happened? You don't even have music playing and you're just like, Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I need mean, That's so true. And then when like was... 20 minutes or like I live 25 minutes from work. So then like 15 minutes in, you're like, what have I even been doing? Like, you're like, Literally. I need to put music on. Like I look like yeah. a psycho. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, it's so funny. Cause like, um, like, Okay, at my previous stops, I've lived uh, either, like, on campus, super close to work, like, within, like, 30 seconds. And I don't mean that, like, as an exaggeration. I mean that in a very literal sense. And um, I got down here, and I'm like, I need to be 20 minutes away, minimum. And they're like, really? You want to drive that far? I'm like, that is my decompression period. That is my time for me to get excited for the day. And I was like, that's also my time that says when I leave work, I'm done. Don't call. Don't text because I'll talk to you tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. it's so funny how many coaches like want to live so close just in case I got to be there. And I'm like, screw that. Like, yeah. I'm driving 20 minutes, 25 minutes because I want to separate. I need to separate, you know? Yeah. And well, yeah, but, Luther, um, Decorah is such a small town. So, so small. Everyone lived, well, some people lived out of town, but almost every coach lived within five minutes. And it was nice, like going home for lunch and whatever. And you, you took five minutes to get home, but no, like I still have to come home for lunch because of my dog. But yes, sure. it's kind of nice to like legitimately separate. Um, and then also in the mornings, like listen to a podcast or on the way yes. home, listen to a podcast, yes. listen to music, get yourself hyped up. Like that mm -hmm. drive, I also like driving, so like that drive yeah. time is valuable for that. But yeah. it, I will say, it was nice in the regard of like. If I forget something, like mm, it was sure. nice to be a minute away, but yeah, no, yeah. I get that. Yeah, 100%. It's my time. I'm a podcast guy, obviously. Uh, I also love to call people. That's one of my like nice things too. And I, and I don't mean people that I work with. I mean everybody else outside of that because <laughs> I just talk to them all day. All right? We'll, right. we'll talk later. But um, yeah, I like to call people. It's like a perfect 20-ish minutes to like have a conversation where like you got what you wanted out of it, but you didn't stay for an hour overextend your time with them so it's like the perfect hey i got 20 minutes okay cool I'll catch you you know um I right love it. except at four at 5 a.m the only people that will answer the phone are going to be other strength coaches my dad <laughs> my dad oh. <laughs> yeah well, yeah my he, dad yeah my dad might be up then too yeah, so maybe i should then. give him a call yeah on the way like, to work <laughs> yeah exactly hey you check a lot of boxes doing that you know like but that's awesome so Oh wow, Sorry. Jewel, you're good. <laughs> you're good. Uh, so Jewel, how how did that come about? For those that don't know, you were a GA there, and then you left, and now you're back. Kind of talk us through that a little bit. Um, so 
Fall of 2019, I started at William Jewell as a GA. Um, Gage Rozier hired me as his GA, probably the greenest person in the candidate pool. He took a risk, um, and I'm forever indebted and thankful to him for that. Um, I learned a lot. Obviously, we had COVID that spring, so yeah. learned a lot through that and adapting. Um, thank God for Team Builder, subtle plug. Let's uh, go. COVID. Um, but was there for two years, and then in the spring of 2021, when I was about to graduate, him and I talked about me staying on staff, so I was able to stay on staff as a part-time assistant. Um, obviously, we know part-time assistant, you're not getting paid that much. Um, yep. I was obviously able to make it work, um, but also just for my own personal development, needed a full-time opportunity. Um, so actually, the person who was a GA before me, Miles Clifton, at Jewel, he was the director at Luther College. So mm. him and Gage were best friends. Miles needed an assistant and it worked out perfectly. Um, so I got nice. my first full-time opportunity in the fall of 2021 after, so I, I <clears throat> stayed until the end of volleyball season because volleyball was one mm. of my main teams at the time. So I got to Luther November like 15th of 2021, kind of really good timing with like just, I got to just dive in and get to know the athletes. Cause then it was like mm. Thanksgiving break and Christmas break. So there wasn't much where I was needed to like dive into programming. It was just like, get to know the athletes for a couple weeks. And that was really nice. Um, so then fast forward, stayed the assistant through July of 2022 miles, took a new opportunity, um, in the private sector, kind of late timing to try and find a football strength coach. So yeah. they opened the job at the time. I was not interested at all. Like if, and we'll get to this, but if you would have asked me um, a year ago, if I wanted to ever be a head strength coach or director of athletic performance or whatever you want to call it, sure. I would have laughed at you and said no, because I just, I was <clears throat> I didn't feel like I was ready, but I also mm. didn't feel like I would ever be ready. And like, I guess this is something I can touch on that after sure. I am done explaining my yeah. path. Um, yeah. But so then July, 2022, we get to like August, a little, like probably a week before this time in August. And mm. they just didn't feel like any of the candidates were what they wanted. Sure. So I sit down with the AD and our offensive coordinator, and he is CSCS. He was the strength coach at the high school he previously was at, had a really good strength pro, like strength conditioning department um, or program running with, with what he had going on. So talk with the AD, okay, he's going to take football. You're going to take all the other 21 sports. And so I was like, holy freaking crap, like – whether I want to be a head strength coach or not, it's happening right now. I'm in charge. Yeah. <laughs> and so like had to meet with all the coaches, get the schedules together. And we were really fortunate. I had basically a uh, professional intern working with me. She was an alum and just wasn't certified. So she was just my right hand woman for everything, sure. which was a lifesaver and like a great opportunity for her because now she's taking my, my job at Luther. So nice, really, really nice. cool kind of full circle moment. But anyways, so, Last fall, it was I was the, I guess you could say, interim head strength coach at Luther. I don't think we ever really titled it, um, but obviously still helped with football. But we let him take the lead on it, and I just took the rest of the sports. Um, I think the fall went really well. I, I mean, I learned a lot. I failed and, like, figured out what works, what doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. Um, 
they opened up the job again in December and I decided to apply. So at the time I was, I guess my title was assistant, um, applied for the job and they felt that two candidates were what they wanted. So they made myself and another gentleman, Shane Miller, co-directors of athletic performance, which is a really unique, um, situation. Obviously I knew Luther. Um, so I was able to in my role, like help him kind of get the ropes, but then we, we made decisions together, um, which it was, we're both young. I think it was a really good, um, good for both of us to just get that like director experience, but we had each other to like really help each other with stuff. Like obviously as a staff, like even if it was director assistant, you're still kind of bouncing ideas, but with us, it was like, it's on both of us to make these decisions. So Mm. I think that did prepare me for this opportunity at Jewel. Sure. Um, and then fast forward to May, they opened the job at Jewel. I didn't, I didn't think I wanted it. Um, and then in June again, I was contacted, hey, apply for this job. <clears throat> I was like, I don't know. And I just asked a bunch of questions. Sure. And um, everything just happened so easily. Like the interview, like it was just like, a, I mean, because I knew the coaches. It was like a right. conversation finding my housing was so simple. Like everything just happened so easily. And to me, that was a sign that like, this is the right move. And Mm. so now here I am. I started July 10th was my first day. That first month was just like trying to get on, get my feet under me and organize everything how I wanted it and meet with coaches. And I mean, I'm really fortunate that a lot of our sport coaches have been there for a while. So I knew a lot of them. Um, a lot of them, like I've, I've got a unique, pers- a unique situation where like, I've already got buy-in from them because I've worked with their teams. So mm. that helps me a lot. Um, and I think the biggest thing for me is, um, Gage Rozier was the director here for five years. He had a great system of just how to flow the athletes through the weight room, how to build buy-in with athletes, just the way he coached. And that he just taught me everything that I know, right? Like I'm still learning from other people, but like the of basis of the way I am as a coach is because of him. And I think that a lot of the things that he had in place made our department a well-oiled machine. So like a big piece of what I'm trying to do over this first year is kind of bring some of that back now, maybe like with my own twists or just adjusting sure. based on, what our athletes need now versus three years ago. But mm-hmm. um, I think just like those systems and that organization piece um, is going to be really important for our athletes. Um, I think a piece that they've been missing. Um, but yeah, like as far as like being a director, um, I don't think you're ever ready for like, if you wait until you're ready, like you're going to be waiting forever and that's for anything. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to, I will be very vulnerable and I'm, that's how I am. I'm very vulnerable about just everything. Um, yeah. I would be lying to you if I said I wasn't crapping my pants, like and scared <laughs> and like, but also I know that anything that fails, like I'm going to learn from it and nothing's going to fail. Like, unless like I literally kill every athlete, like that would be the only thing that could let's possibly... knock on some wood there. Right. <laughs> yeah. I have my wood desk, but that yeah, would be yeah, the yeah, only yeah. thing that could literally go so wrong that, mm. I would be like, dang, like maybe I shouldn't have done this, but anything like from flow or like, okay, I hated that exercise. I won't program it again. Or I hated that warm up. I won't do it again. Like our job is so easily, we're 
I mean, you have to learn to be adaptable. You have to be able to adapt. Yeah. But anything we do, it's not difficult to change it if we don't like it. So mm. I don't know. That's a big thing that, again, if you would have asked me a year ago, will you apply for the director job at William Jewell when it opens? I would have said no. I love William Jewell College, but no. But like Luther mm. provided me with the opportunity, a really unique opportunity that a lot of people don't get to just be handed like – here you have to step in as this role and so i was scared then but it helped me it just helped me grow a lot so um i think a big thing is again i'm not afraid to be vulnerable but i'm also always going to be the same person so like that's that's one thing i learned last year is like athletes read into bs like they read into the fakeness they read into all of that so just being myself with them and the way that I want to run my department is the same again, same as like gauge, like, yes, we're going to program evidence-based science-based, like we're going to do everything we can with the intention of making you bigger, faster, stronger, more explosive, et cetera. What every strength coach is trying to do. But a big thing for me is building relationships. And I think a lot of coaches say that and don't really mean it. Um, I think, yeah, like I don't even, know an example but like like we talked about before like i want to be at as many practices and games as i can like that's important just showing face but also like when we're doing like i don't know mobility or the warm-up like don't just stand there like i will get in your face like how where are you from where did you graduate what how many siblings do you have like they probably are like shut up it's 6 a.m i don't want to talk about this but like yeah I think there's just so much value in actually actually knowing these kids mm. and something that I've told our coaches too. Like we have f- almost 560 athletes at Jewel. Like, will I get to know every waking detail about every single one of them? No. And yeah, half of the teams like aren't my direct responsibility. So I won't get to see them as much, but like something important to me is I want to know every single athlete's name on this campus. Like today with football, we were doing like, we had our lift and then our finisher was like, they had to all lay on the ground and we did some next stuff. And I was like, okay, before we do this, I'm going to go and like name all of you. And they were like, so excited when I knew their name, but like, there's yeah. just so much value in that. No, that's and, facts. Yeah. Facts you know, there. Like instead of saying, Hey, you like, I'll ask you, but I'm not just going to say, Hey, you I'll say, remind me of your name or like, what's your last name or whatever. Like, cause that's so important to me. And yeah. Yeah. Again, probably easier for me right now because I know half of the athletes because sure. I had them two years ago. Um, but like, I'm going to try and be at as many of the lifts as I can because I want to be able to know like, yeah, I'm not going to work directly with track and field, but I want to know, oh, this sprinter did this great thing. And I want to know like what, who they are. Um, right. I just think there's so much value in that because that's how you build trust is if like you could say you care about the relationships um, but just, just like trying to be motivational and do the motivational spiels in the weight room at the end of the lift, like, yeah, that shows you care about them, but like, what are you going out of your way to do? And I just don't, I think, I don't think enough coaches mean mm. that they care about the relationship piece. I'll get off my soapbox. Then. 
No, you're good. <laughs> I love it. No, I do. I love it because I think it's a very interesting point. One of the things, well, you said a lot of interesting things, so we'll touch on a couple of them. But one of the things that, and we'll start with the, the last thing that you just said about getting to know their name. Like, so simple, so simple. And I would extend it, like you said, you know, further than just knowing the name. Like, where are you from? Brothers and sisters, what other sports did you play? Do you have a significant other? Um, what does that look like? Like, and just care for them. Like I would for you or, or any of the other coaches or, you know, all that stuff. Right. Um, because then that allows you to like joke with them. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, um, and one of the things that we tell our interns here is before you critique them, whether it's on an exercise or whatever, say their name. And yeah. if you don't know their name, then ask them. Hey, excuse me. I'm sorry. Can you mind me of your name, please? I'm so silly. I forgot. Ha 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 ha. Okay. Thanks, Jill. Hey, Jill, when you do this, et cetera, you know, go from there. And then that's why I just, I said, hey, look, if you don't know their name, make a joke out of it, right? Yeah. Blame yourself because it shows a little bit of humble pie. Blame yourself. Hey, I'm just so X, Y, Z, stupid, silly, forgot, tired, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, they'll tell you, you know, their name, or if you know their nickname, use their nickname too, right? Like all that stuff. Like that would be a big thing is getting to know their name and their nickname, right? Um, just like you probably have a nickname as well, but when your parents call you your real name, you're like, okay, yeah, what up, <laughs> right? Like, um, so I think that's a really big thing. Um, another thing, you know, shout out to Team Builder. Uh, if you guys, if hey, look, if y'all aren't using Team Builder, um. You are wasting so much time. Like, kind of talk a little bit about that because you've always had Team Builder. Uh, we were kind of talking a little bit. You don't know any Excel formulas and you don't know, you know, a little bit of Google Sheets here or there. But, like, if you were asked to write a workout card and you had to print them off, you know, names, do all that stuff, you would kind of be like, uh, what's going on around here? So how did you kind of get involved with Team Builder and what are your thoughts from, from that standpoint? Um, so yes, big team builder, Stan. I love team builder. Um, again, Gage Rozier brought team builder to Jewel. Um, I love team builder because it just makes programming so simple. Um, especially data tracking. Like I know there are formulas and whatever that you can do in Excel. That's great. But <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's great. Love that for you. And I I do want to learn. I do want to learn it, but like I want to learn other things that's like not high on my bucket list. And sorry to anyone that's offended by that. Um but no, Team Builder is so great for data tracking. Now the kids have to input the information. Of course. Like we talked about. Um but the biggest things, and I mean, like, I don't know how you have your athletes fill it mm -hmm. out, but I'm like, anything you added weight to, that's what I need. Like, I don't need you to fill out that you did a band pull apart with a band. I don't, I know you did. Like, sure. I know that you did that. Now, yeah, I want you to get in the habit of filling it out because that way, especially when you're here, do it. That way, when you're home for the summer, it's easy for you. Sure. Um, 
But the biggest thing I like to use it for that, again, like Gage Rosier is just getting all the plugs right now. Our yeah. farm performance, go our farm Let's distillery. Go. If you're ever in Mountain City, Missouri, go to their distillery. Yeah, because if you're a strength coach and you don't drink, you're not actually like a strength <laughs> coach. You know what I'm <laughs> like, saying? What are like, you doing? <laughs> literally, what are you doing? But anyways, yeah. Um, but um, wellness surveys, daily wellness surveys is something that we've implemented and it's I think like anything you're asking 18 to 20, 22 year olds to fill out, like, is it going to be a perfect system? No, I don't think there's a perfect system except for like, you know, catapult or polar tracking, like all of those type of recovery things. Like, yeah, that's, that's going to be accurate, but <laughs> getting the feedback from the athletes themselves on this survey, yeah. I just think holds so much value. One, it shows like, Oh, they care about like how I'm feeling actually. Um, and Two, just looking at it, again, from a wide lens. So we ask them five questions, um, hours of sleep, and then on a scale of one to five, one being low, five being high, they rank their quality of sleep, mood, energy, and soreness. Um, mm -hmm. And we have it so it spits out like a number, their point total. We have yep. it that anything below 18 is a low score just based on like it, the, unless they got zero hours of sleep and did fives across the board like average 18 is pretty average or low on all of those um, sure. items. So again, not perfect, but um, I put it in a Google sheet. I have their names. Let's go. And so I color code it. And so I'll just like have volleyball, all of the roster, the date. Mm -hmm. um, and I typically have them fill it out the days they lift and definitely game days, um, but say like August 17th and then, I highlight their name or like that box yellow if they just didn't fill it out and then red if it's below 18. So if it's just white, that means they were good. I started doing green if it was above like 25 just to show like they're feeling really good. Um, but I don't think you necessarily have to do that. But really what we're looking for is trends. So like mm -hmm. if if you had a low score one day and it's because you didn't sleep and then there's also a comment section. So say that you put right. in your comment section didn't sleep because I was up all night studying and it's like, okay, like that's not normal for him. He, this has just happened. We're really looking for trends. So across the board, like it has been able to spark conversations where they're sleeping. Okay. But their mood and their energy are consistently like a one or a two. And their mm. score is like 14, 15, 16, like days in a row. We're able to send that data to coach because maybe coach has no idea what's going on. And they've been ripping into this athlete for sucking at practice but not asking like, Hey, what's going on? Hey yeah. coach. Yeah. They, maybe they don't leave anything in the comments, but they're showing low energy, low mood and not sleeping great. Maybe let's have a conversation. And then we find out, Oh, my girlfriend broke up. My girlfriend boyfriend broke up with me. A family member passed away or just family stuff going on. Like you never know. Yeah. Um, luckily I think with like, I know on our campus, we've got a lot of mental health resources that our athletes are more open, but still you're going to have athletes that aren't going to be as open so I think that this, well, the wellness survey, and you can like kind of structure it however you want, but this is the structure that we found really works for us. Mm -hmm. um, we really like it. Um, I think that athletes know that it's just me seeing it, like their teammates can't see it. Uh, well, and their coach can. Um, and I'll ask, like, normally I would reach out to the athlete, hey, is this, go this is going on? Is it okay if I bring this up to coach? Like someone's got to find out. Now, obviously, if they're saying like, 
really bad things in the comments. And it's like, okay, I got to let coach know. But for the most part, it's just like mood and energy, soreness, like whatever it is. Um, But I really love it in season because especially for me, it allows me to adjust my lifts if I need to. Like if they lift and then they're still sore two days later, or maybe coach made them run at practice and we're like, Hey, let's not do that Mm. or whatever. Like it allows us to adjust what we're doing because obviously it's affecting them. Um, and then on game day, that's obviously the most important. They're sore on game day because of my lift. That's an issue. So I need to make sure that I'm adjusting. And now, and I also have to make it very clear, like just because you have a low score doesn't mean coach isn't going to play you. Like it's more of like, oh, maybe we need to take a little bit more time to get warmed up or maybe like eat a little extra something or like whatever that looks like. Um, but I think that it has a lot of value whenever I talk to parents, like recruits about it, like their parents love it, love um, it. just cause it's another touch point for us to check on those athletes. Um, something else we implemented, um, was a tap test. I don't know if you ever heard of that. Mm. It's like an app yep. on your phone and you literally yep. just tap. Yep. So it's yep. like central nervous system readiness. Again, not perfect. I did it with volleyball two years ago and they just, no matter how fried they were, they just like got good at it. So like yeah. some of them were getting these <laughs> ridiculous scores. Yeah, But we're going to try it again this fall and see. I think it was pretty accurate, though. I mean, we stayed pretty healthy that fall, so it wasn't like an indicator of, oh, she had a really low tap from her baseline. Is she going to get injured? Like, we didn't really have issues Mm -hmm. with that, Mm -hmm. Um, but maybe it was because of the wellness surveys and we were controlling volume. I don't know. But um, Well, it's the classic everything affects everything, right? Yeah, exactly. So. I, it, the tap test is just it just again another touch point another data point mm-hmm. so like mm-hmm. okay if your wellness survey score was low and your tap test score was below your personal baseline it's like okay what's going on right. again not necessarily saying you don't get to play but are we gonna need to just make sure you get a little bit more warmed up or just spark a conversation so we know what's going on um right. i think right. that's the biggest thing again in that piece of caring about the athletes the relationship with them like yeah. Are you using this data or are you just making them fill out this survey and then not even looking at it? So like I have sheets created for all of our teams. Like some coaches don't even want to look at it and they don't care about it, but I think it's still valuable to have them fill it out and track it because then maybe coach only wants you to tell them when something's really going bad or, and I've had coaches too that have asked me not to have them fill it out because they don't want their athletes thinking about how they feel. And I think that that's doing them a really big disservice. Um, We need to know how we're feeling. We need to be really in tune with how we feel, because if you just don't care about how you feel and you're just numb to it, like you're going to get hurt. You're going to have an outburst, like something's going to happen. And Mm -hmm. so like, if you're not taking, especially if you're not thinking about how you're feeling, then you're not taking care of yourself. Right. Like if you're really sore and you're like, but I just got to push through it. Like, yes. But like, what can we do to take care of our bodies to maybe reduce the soreness or reduce this pain in your knee or like whatever? So I think there's a lot of value in being very, very in tune with how you're feeling. I mean, I don't know if you've heard of Amber Sel- Dr. Amber Selking. She's the sports psychologist for Notre Dame football, or she was. Um, she wrote a book, Winning the Mental Game, and she talks in the book about being extremely aware of everything that is going on with you. So like... Mm-hmm. Being aware of your thoughts, like people think like you're not in control of your thoughts. I agree and disagree. Um, But like when you have that, especially as an athlete, like you have this thought of like, I'm not good enough to be on that team. Like you have the control to be to change that. 
Now, I'm not mm. saying that's an easy thing to do, right. but it takes work. But she talks about like your thoughts control your emotions, which controls your physio- physiological response, which controls your performance. So mm-hmm. again, at the end of the day, if you're just having those thoughts, but you, you, you don't have the awareness to control them. Yep. Right. Does that yep. make like, I just think all of that is so bad. That's why self-awareness and being in tune with yourself as an athlete, as a human, but like, especially as an athlete is so important because it can save you from a lot of mental, physical injuries, hurt, all of that. So I just also think like, I mean, I agree with you. I think you can't fix something if you're not aware of it. Right. And the only person that's aware of your body is you. And so it's, pertinent and important for you to tell me how you feel because I can't tell you how you feel. I can't tell you, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I don't know. I, I would hope you feel good, but I don't know. Um, and so I just find like the subjective component of it to be extremely valuable. Now, sure, you're going to get athletes that either always vote really low or always vote really high. Like, you know that that's going to happen. Um, and that's just what it is. Like, you just know that you recognize that, right? But if you don't know, I think that's a bigger issue, if you ask yeah. me. Um, and then to your point of like some coaches don't care about that, I find many of them don't care about that until it's time to care about that. And then they're like, well, you don't have – do you have it? And then like you can either save the day and be like, yes, I do. Or you could be like, no, I don't, right? And then it's like, ooh, now kind of everybody's in some hot water. So. Yep. The whole classic, like, why am I collecting all this data if I'm not utilizing it? Well, you are the one that can utilize it or not, (laughs) right? Like, that's kind of my thing. I'm just like, so, you know, but I also think it's great just to get an understanding of, like, how they feel. And we're just talking about, like, wellness score here. We're not talking about everything else, but we're just talking about wellness score here. Yeah. Um, I just think it's easy. It's simple. It's a one-time setup for an everyday use. Like, and then it takes, what? 10 minutes for you to look at the 30 seconds for them to do it yeah 10 minutes to collect it right and i tell them like fill it out first thing when you wake up like it takes muscle memory to like get used to it but i mean i know i'm awake before all of them so i'll shoot them a message at five in the morning and say hey fill out your wellness survey Mm -hmm. i know the first thing you do is get on your phone and it's on your app like i know you see the text yeah so just do it and yeah. that's the biggest thing too, is like getting compliance with it and explaining to the athletes like why, because right. like if they don't, if they don't care and know that why you're using it, they're not going to do it. Right. Um, but yeah, that's, I think all of that is huge. And like, obviously, again, that's just wellness data, but then you combine <laughs> wellness survey, tap test, vertical jump once a week. And even like a sprint, yes, a sprint time. Like that's a lot of data and can tell you a whole lot about if this volleyball player is ready for a match tomorrow. Like if her, you know, like I just think the more touch points you can get, the better. And again, like we don't need to do, we don't need slash want to do all these physical max effort tests in season. So why not just do the wellness survey and the tap and or the tap tests or whatever, because it's Mm -hmm. effortless essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you're, you know, um, if you have four stacks and if you have Nord boards and all this other stuff, I would highly recommend utilizing that. Um, if you have GPS, I'd highly recommend utilizing that and trying to combine all of that, um, which can be 
a lot and cumbersome, but at the same time, you can start to get indicators from other areas, which allow you to have conversations. Like we're fortunate enough to have that type of stuff. And so we utilize it on top of a wellness survey, on top of sprint times and counter movement jumps and four stacks and GPSs and VBT even like, you know, like all that other stuff, right? Like you can just utilize as much as possible. Um, but you have to know what you're looking for. And it's not always just to find out readiness. I mean, that's a huge part of it as well. But like, obviously, like progress and all this stuff. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot that you can do um, that can give you indicators. But I also think like, hey, look, like, Jill, how do you feel today? Like, scale of one to 10. Yeah. I feel seven. Okay. Like, is that good? Maybe, maybe not. Like, you tell me. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you're always operating out of seven. Okay. Well, then you're probably feeling pretty good, right? Like, yeah. Well, I think to that point, especially with in-season teams, I I love VBT for that because obviously it's legitimately auto-regulating based on what they need, (laughs) Um, which honestly, and then that makes our lives a little bit easier because then you're like, I don't know what percentage to program or like, you know what speed to program, right? And then you're worried like, oh, is this percentage going to be too heavy? It's like, well, if that kid feels really freaking good, he can go crush some weight. Correct. Vice versa, feels like crap. Okay, instead of waiting for like, yes, I get using coach's eye to watch bar speed, but also like, I don't think that's one. We can't have our eye on every athlete. I hate that argument so much because yes, you should use your coach's eye always, but your coach's eye cannot tell you how fast that bar is moving, and let alone. Every rep the athlete does doesn't mean it's done with full intent, right? But when I put a VBT on them, the intent goes up. I'm not saying it's full intent, but I'm saying the intent goes up. So if you're watching an athlete, like today some of our athletes were benching, and they were doing like 225 on bench, which for uh, an athlete, that's not that much, right? And you could just see that the intent was not there right? Like you can just see that in the rep in itself. Could I tell you the meters per second? No, but I can tell you the intent wasn't there. But it's like, if you strap a a VBT on that, or you have perch or whatever else, the intent's going to go up and you can hold them accountable to that, right? Like holding them accountable to be like drive really hard and fast. uh, Yes. And you should, but you can't quantify that. Yep. But when I say you did 0.7 0.7 to 0.8 meters per second or 0.75 or whatever, it's easily quantifiable and they can see it. They get that instant feedback loop right away. I also really like it um, from a vertical integration standpoint. I find it much easier to have vertical integration amongst my training when I have a VBT. That doesn't mean I use it for every exercise because I don't, but for some of my major movements, absolutely. Um, because it just seems, it's just easier for me to understand. Like from a percentage standpoint, um, yeah, I can program percentage, but I prefer VBT personally. Yeah. Well, and one thing too, that I love about VBT, um, and this obviously is some, this is something that I want to continue to cultivate in within our department that a lot of our teams already do is just, it creates a competitiveness. Like they're competing with themselves every single rep. And I think that like, if you want to win or build teams that win, like you have to build competitors and that can't just be on your field or on your court or in your pool. Like you have to be a competitor in everything you do. And so there's a lot of ways. I mean, we're fortunate that like we have a lot of ways we can do that in the weight room. Like 
straight up make competitions or whatever. (laughs) But like the BBT thing, like they're competing against, well, they're competing against themselves, but also it's like, hey, you and your partner, like who can move it faster or like whatever. And that's one thing I've found is they like, some of our athletes get after it, like trying to compete with that. And I think that that's huge. And mm-hmm. um, I think with that, like in season, you, you were going to say something about I it. just think athletes tend to lift more weight with VBT as well. And here's why. Yeah. is because the intent is there and you're like, you're not in your zone, get in your zone. And so naturally, it for what the experience I've had, it naturally, they lift more because it's not a matter of the weight on the bar for them anymore, right? It's a matter of like, I got to get in this zone. Right. Yeah. Whereas like if I have regular athletes, whether you name the sport and I'm like, yo, put 225 on the hood, like, oh, 225, like, come on coach. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'm like, yo, get in the zone. And they're at like 245, 255. And they're like, Oh, and I'm like, you see how much more you're lifting. And I give them a really hard time about that. But, um, I just find that's my experience so far. And it's been really good. Yeah. And that's why I love VBT in the competitive sense. and athletes pushing themselves and then again like Mm -hmm. in season um vbt wellness surveys like all of that stuff i think is great another thing i like to do that i i did i've only done a few times but like giving athletes more autonomy on like the decisions of the exercises so like Mm. now i'm not necessarily i'm not letting them pick their whole lift but and it's like various times, like, do you want to lift or not? No, like, no, you don't get to choose that. <laughs> but uh, some of them would, but yes, choosing like the, the push up variation that they mm-hmm. do, like they, mm-hmm. and it's, and I do like, that's an example. I do a lot of different push up variations, like with baseball, especially like heavy conference season. Some of them not, might not want to do a weighted push up, or some of them might want to do a weighted push up. Some of them want to do, like we call it a reach push up where they're getting their scaps like yeah. reaching really far. Some of them want to do yoga push ups. Some of them want to do it from an incline because it feels better. Like just giving them autonomy on that, giving them autonomy on like their hip mobility, on their T spine sure. mobility. I've even played around with like we have one lift. We normally would lift twice. We only got one lift. So I'm like, okay, we're doing the same accessories, but you get to pick. Do you want to do your hand supported split squat or do you want to do trap bar? You or no, it was hand supported. No, what was it? No, it was trap bar deadlift or front squat. They got to pick, sure. like, obviously, both bilateral. You could go into yeah, the science whatever. of how they're yeah, different, yeah, yeah, but yeah, they're yeah, both yeah. bilateral movements, whatever. <laughs> you get to pick, but this is the weight. Like, I had the weight prescribed or whatever. This, the volume staying the same. You get to pick the movement. And then I think I had let them choose between their neutral grip bench or their landmine press. Again, I know they're not the same, whatever, but. Either way, they were going to miss out on one of them. So I'm letting them choose what they want to do. And it's just one. It was interesting to see because I was like, oh, none of them are going to front squat. Like, But it was a complete 50-50 divide wow. on front squat and trap bar, which I don't. I know you said you haven't worked a ton of baseball, but baseball players love trap bar deadlift. So they I was like, they're all going to trap, trap bar. bar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. they completely split it. And it was just interesting because I was like, oh, I made them love front squat. Like, I love Let's that. Let's go. Come on and now. And so – um, and then, yeah, the Nutri-Grip bench and the landmine, it was like, it was a 50, 50 again, is it perfect system? No, but I think just giving them autonomy on what feels good for them that day in season, I think that holds a lot of value because then it shows like that we have that trust in them. Um, and again, just 
allowing them to to feel like they're creating it on their own too. Um, but again, even as little as like, okay, we've taught you throughout the year five different T spine mobilities. You get to pick which one. Like mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. love that. Or like, well, I've done this at my PT. Okay, whatever, do it. I don't care. But yeah. <laughs> like, whatever feels good for you, I'm okay with. Especially in season especially once you get like to the thick of the end of conference and like mm. if you're an NCAA qualifier like you got to do what feels good for them cuz a lot of the athletes just sports in general they're all beat up by that point yeah mentally physically so whatever we can do to to make them feel good i think holds a lot of value and we stay i mean again like we talked about as long as we're staying healthy like that's all that matters and you're seeing improvements in your performance and your results. So absolutely. I also think it's a confidence thing. Like, yeah, if this exercise is what helps you bring confidence, cool. Like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. I guess another one we would do was, um, like single leg squat of choice. So like some of them hate single or skater squats. Some of them like single leg squat to box. Like that was a huge one on the confidence piece. Cause like some of them could load that skater squat up and they were like, this makes me feel so good. And I'm like, great. I love that you are skater squatting 90 pounds. Like keep yeah, doing that. Please. That's fantastic. But, yeah. 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 That's awesome. Let's switch gears here a little bit. So you are doing, um, oh, some mile runs. How did you get into that? Your goal that you're trying to reach kind of tell us about that a little bit. Oh, speaking of, I still have to do my mile today. Um, and it's Uh-oh. for the people watching, it's nine thirty <laughs> at night. So I will do it. <laughs> and if you follow me on Instagram, I will post it. Yeah, that's um, right. I love that but you no, do I, that, but I love that you do that by the way. That you post um, it. I stole it from Derek Stork. He's at Mizzou. He is mm-hmm. actually a Luther College alum. So okay. he was a wrestler at Luther. That's mm-hmm. how I like know who he is. I think he mm-hmm. briefly was a strength coach at Luther. Um, and then he was at Appalachian State and I think that was his last stop before Mizzou. I don't actually know him. I just see him post it. I think he recently just hit a year, like 365 consecutive days. And I was like, okay, that's freaking cool. And the reason I like, there's so many challenges, like 75 hard. Like I've done it. I'm guilty. I did it. Like, I loved it. I've done it. I've done it a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do it. And people hate on it. I get it. Like, and all these challenges, I get that they're not sustainable, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes you just need something like that to, kick you into gear but facts i like the mile because i'm like it's so approachable like that's not a hard thing like Mm. and it never he never on there said like you had to i mean i think he was running the mile but like it's not like he posted the challenge it was like you have to run a mile it was like okay i'm just gonna go a mile a day so like i did just walk a mile the other day but it was like it's the intention of like i'm going to go out and it's a mile and it's not that it's not hard like it's very approachable and it's funny i hope he doesn't mind me telling his business but um (laughs) he said he did it because during football camp last year he like ran back into the facility and was just very humbled he was like oh my god i'm out of shape and he said that's why he started it and i was like that's hilarious and I've only done but a it for, very true reality. Yes. But a very, very yes. true reality. Coaching shape is not the same as being in shape. Well, that, but I mean, so if you look at um, the people that are strength coaches are typically stronger people that they, we enjoy lifting, which is awesome. 
we despise any sort of conditioning, right? If you like go walk for 30 minutes till like oh, the yeah, devil sure. must have came yeah. after you or whatever today, right? Like dead ass. And so um, it's really funny because like, yeah, we can all probably lift a house, which is great. But like, what about your metabolic health? What about your heart? Because, you know, you drink fucking enough coffee for everybody else and energy drinks every day and you lift, which is great. But like, what about your cardiovascular health? Right. Yeah. And you like literally jog for 30 seconds and they're like, <gasps> like sucking wind. And it's just like, okay, now is this all coaches? No, it's not. It's a large majority of them though. Yeah. But, so I, so to that point, uh, I'm going to do a plug here, but I've been doing the coaches conditioning project. Um, if you guys have seen that online, really good, highly recommend. Um, because I just like you're talking about needed something from an accountability standpoint, from a cardiovascular conditioning standpoint, because I am not in bad shape, but I'm like, I should probably have this in my program more often than what it currently is. Uh, cause I do enjoy going for walks, whether it's 30 minutes or 45 minutes just to get outside and get away. And it's like kind of my way to detach. But at the same time, I'm like, I should probably like have a structured plan. But anyways, um, yeah, that's good. That's interesting that he did it for that reason. though. Yeah. Well, and like, I will say I haven't done more than a mile because I want to try and get my time down before I add distance. Sure. Okay. Um, and I'm going to be honest, there's no like. I've done it where I do it at eight o'clock at night. And then the next morning I get up and do it at six. Like I know that I'm not fully recovered, but it's like, I just, my whole point of it is to do it. Yeah. And I actually do feel better. Like, even though some days my miles slower, like my legs are just dying. But like when I do run for like the maybe center at jewel is big and spacious and I have ADHD and I don't want, it takes me too long to get up to the coach's offices. So I always just run up to the coach's offices <laughs> up the stairs just because it's, it's faster. And like, as I've been doing that this week I'm, or the past couple weeks, I'm like, Oh, like it's I, not I'm too not bad. out of breath. Yeah. yeah I will yeah. say though. And I feel like every college campus has a stupid giant hill that you have to walk up. I might be wrong, but that yeah. thing, it doesn't matter how many miles I run. I'm going to be humbled every time that I go up every to time. upper campus. Cause it's just like, I'm trying to talk with my coworker and I'm like, we got to have, we can't talk right now. Like I just need to breathe. <laughs> like I can't, I can't. It's like funny. Going up my... a couple of flight of stairs and then you're just like, am I in this yeah, bad of like, shape? Uh, yeah. It's all well, that it's funny. My interview at Luther, when I was interviewing for the assistant position, they have, uh, a hill that takes separates like athletics from upper campus and i was walking and talking to miles and it was like like i felt like i was gonna yeah. die and then a coach, a coach stopped us and like wanted to talk with us and i was just like thank god like, like this I was like my I rest was like i wasn't step. gonna make it up there like yeah. but no seriously i feel i do feel better just a mile and i do want to the furthest i've ever run i played volleyball in college mm -hmm. i didn't need to have like very super awesome aerobic endurance, mm -hmm. obviously. Um, so the furthest I've ever ran without stopping is 2.2 miles. So I'd sure. love to try and even like people are like, yeah, I went for a short run today, five miles. And I'm like, yeah, okay, superstar. <laughs> like That would be a, I would, the whole world would know if I ran five miles, like I would post Yo. it everywhere. Everywhere. I would, yeah, I would take myself out for so many 
espresso martinis after work. <laughs> it would be, yeah. You want to know something though? I bet you could run five miles right now. You would just have to push past the mental block. Yes. That's the thing with running. That's the thing with running for sure. Once you get, for me, the mental block is like the first minute and a half. No, like the first, okay. Every like the first step. 0.15, the first, the first 0.15 is like, oh, I'm good. And then from like yeah. 0.15 to just over a quarter, I'm dying. Yeah. And then it's like, after that, I'm like, oh, I could keep going. Mm. And maybe I should try sometime just to see. Cause like, I know like, oh, I'm stopping at a mile. Like, yeah. And I yeah. just stop, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So it would be interesting to see. Sometimes I take my dog with me and she slows me down a little bit. Yeah. She just ha- like, she'll like abruptly stop to smell something. So I'm like, and get yanked yeah. to the side. <laughs> but it's good for her aerobic endurance too. So. She needs it. <laughs> but I bet you could go a lot far. I know you could go a lot farther than a mile. You just got to just do it. Um, Let's see. Because if I can do it, you can do it legitimately, right? Like, and I have to do like our army tests and stuff and like, you know, whatever. But um, if I can do it, you can do it. Like, okay. You just have to get I will past. Try. You just have to get past the mental block. You just have to like focus on some everything else but running. The thing is, when right. I run, I get so freaking bored because it's such a repetitive task, and I'm just like. I'm doing the same thing over and over and over again. I just get so bored. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, this sucks. And then I just That's like, why go I couldn't around. run on a treadmill. I can't do a treadmill. I just I go down outside. this negative thought process of everything. When I start running, I'm just like, man, screw that. Like it's, it gets bad. Um, yeah. And then I like recognize that I'm down that thought process. And I'm like, all right, this like, let me pull myself out of this. But yeah. It's brutal. <laughs> I'm not going to yeah. like, man. Well, no, running run? outside is better too. But mm-hmm. then you get used to your neighborhood, and that's like where I'm at now. I'm like I'm bored. I do the same yeah. run, loop. so I know. Yeah, yeah, like I know exactly where I'm gonna hit the mile. So then you see the sign, like the stop sign that you know you always hit a mile at, and you're like, like I can't wait for it to get here. So sometimes I'll drive to yeah. a different location just yeah. to run. Yeah, which is nice sometimes. Yeah, but but no, I have enjoyed it. Shout out to Derek Stork for he doesn't even know. I actually got one of the athletic trainers at Jewel is doing it too. That's so he's huge. got two people in his fan club. That's what's more. up. But yeah, so shout out to him. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, last question for you. Okay, so we kind of talked about this a little bit, and I'm always interested from this standpoint. And if anybody's listening, when you are thinking about this, I just want you to take a step back real fast and kind of just understand this. So one of the things that occurs with strength coaches when they take over a director's position or when they um, get promoted and it's their first time running the show. Um, Not only is it that they have coaching responsibility, they also then have administrative leadership roles and responsibilities. And one of the things I've recognized throughout my time, only because I've had extensive leadership opportunities with the military, um, being commanders, executive officers, platoon leaders of a lot of money, a lot of equipment, a lot of people. Um, and we're not talking small amounts. We're talking large amounts of all of that is I've had opportunities to fail dramatically as leaders, um, as a leader. And now I can kind of take, take a step back and, and recognize like, Hey, it's not this person's inability to coach that's presenting 
or preventing the program from moving further, it's actually their leadership skills. It's actually their organizational skills. It's actually their ability to future forecast, plan ahead and start planting seeds now. And so I see that a lot. Um, more of, more than what I would maybe like to admit is is how often I see that. But it's really interesting. So it's like there's a two-pronged approach. You're not only dealing with that person's ability to do the job. You're dealing with their person, to, their ability to lead people inside of a department. And typically, it's the first time that person's ever been in a leadership position, right? That's like you're the guy or you're the girl. What is kind of your approach, thought process as you take over a department? And as you start to say, what do I want this department to look like? And here's what I'm willing to stand for. And here's what I'm not willing to stand for. Yeah, I think, I mean, like I said, I'm lucky to have worked with Gage and the fact that he kind of built the program from the ground up and he was there for five years. And um, again, lucky that it's not like it's 10 years later that I'm coming back. It's a year and a half. So having been able to like obviously have him as a resource, but then still I talk with the past, the coaches that were just here um, really just talking to them about like what worked for the department, what didn't work talking with sport coaches, like what did you find value in from these coaches? What do you think we need to change? And obviously again, at the end of the day, like I'm making the decisions. Um, but I think it's important again, and we talked about this, like we are here to serve the athletes. So it's like, yes, like I can have opinions on the way I think we should run this and this and this, but if that's only going to make my life easier and no one else's of the 600 athletes we have, like, is it going to benefit them? Maybe not. Or like whatever those decisions are. So like, I'm not afraid to ask a volleyball player, Hey, what do you want out of this experience? Yeah. Like, you know, like I think again with that, that buy-in piece, that piece that like they feel like they have a say. Um, and I mean, at the division two level, at the division three level, it's a lot of the role of athletics is the student athlete experience. And if they're not having a good experience, they're probably not retaining athletes and you're probably not going to have a job because your job is to make their experience better. And so sometimes making the decision based on the student athlete experience might not be the decision you want to make, but it's ultimately this, the decision you have to make because there's 600 of them and there's one of you. Um, now, like obviously logistics stand or logistics standpoint, safety, whatever, like make the decisions that make sense. Um, but I, I've, Gage taught me like at at the division two level, you've got to do a lot of the decisions based off of the student athlete experience and ours at jewel. Um, our student athletes fill out at the, I think, I don't know if it's the end of every semester or the end of every season, they do a review like on every person that they came in contact with head coach, sport co or head coach, AT, um, uh, strength coach, admin, sports supervisor, SWA. I mean, they, they review everyone. And again, like the wellness survey, we're, are we, we're taking the opinions of 18 to 22 year olds. Like they're not like going to fire you over it unless it's a legitimate, like across the board, these problems. Right. Um, but I will say when Gage, when I was that, when Gage was there across the board, lifting weight room, athletic performance was every athlete's favorite part of the day. Yeah. And 
if they're not enjoying their time in the weight room or in practice, like in practice, in the class, whatever it is, if they're not enjoying what they're doing, they're not going to give a hundred percent effort. And so again, like that's the piece that's so important to me. Student athlete experience that comes from you showing you care about the athlete and asking for their feedback, asking for what they like and don't like getting to know them. Like that is the approach that I want my staff to take because yes, I think the X's and O's are so important. And yes, like we're going to do continuing ed. We're going to do all of that important stuff, but Mm -hmm. you can be the smartest person in the world. But if you don't know how to approach people, you can't do this job. And so I just, that's, what's really important to me. And that's what I've told every single one of my sport coaches. That's what I've shared with my staff. That's what I've shared with, I mean, I'm very vulnerable with our athletes. I'm like, this is important to me. It's important to me that you know that I care about you and that I know your name and that like, that's why I'm asking you, what's your favorite color? Like dumb stuff, but like at the end of the day, they can never say after working with me for a year of getting to know me, like uh, Coach JB didn't care about me because I'm going to make it very known that I do. And Another silly thing that I do, this is kind of not part of the question, but I just thought of it. Um, <laughs> I do a question of the day. So like with yes. my team, I mean, yes, every day. I love them. Yeah, every I day. I love them. And me and Coach Clifton actually had, we were creating a Google spreadsheet of like, okay, like we were so serious about it. Like yeah. we were like, we yeah, have yeah, to yeah, ask yeah, yeah. I had a soccer player at Luther send me like the longest list and the questions were crazy. It was awesome. Great, but like, great. Like who – what, what was one of them? It was like, what type of food describes your personality? Or like, don't, I don't even, that was not the right verbiage. Sure. Yeah, yeah, But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. what, like, just silly stuff like that. But then it's like, sparks them one, they're using their brains, they have to think. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, like, just, it, just another way, even not even me, like, they get to know their teammates, things they didn't know about their teammates, like, their teammates' favorite food, Nike or Adidas. Like, there's a big controversy there, you know? Yeah. And so just all of that. Yeah. So I'd say to fully answer your question, because I know I ramble a lot. Um, so hopefully if people made it to this point, they I'm will. Sorry. They're very loyal listeners. Thank you. Um, yeah. but I think just my like the way I lead is and I think the way every strength coach should be leading is by being a servant leader and doing yeah. what you can to serve your athletes. Yeah. And that's, I, I think we can't be selfish. I think that guy, right. There's like things you need to be selfish about, but when it comes to like doing our job, no matter of pay, no matter of whatever, like we're here to serve the athletes in the best way we can with what we've got, whether that means we have the resources or we don't like, we are here to serve them. And so that's the biggest thing that I've honed in with, with my staff. And I continue to like repeat that verbiage, like relationships, 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 like don't just stand there and not talk to them, like go in, dive in, get to know them. I gauge forced me to do that. And I was so, I was never the type of person. I can't believe that I'm a strength coach. Like the kind of person that I was, I was so, I mean, I'm so pretty awkward. You don't lose that. But um, I was <laughs> I was so shy and I like was scared of even like as a senior on my volleyball team, I was scared to like 
say something in the circle at practice, like, hey, I think we did this well, or like, I was just not a leader. And I thought that I would never be able to be. But like, I will say, like, as a GA, I was thrown into the fire. And that's how I think grad assistantship should be. Um, I was absolutely thrown into the fire. I was not ready to take that role on. um, Because I did an internship prior to that. And um, I was told by the staff that I was not ready to be a GA. And again, are you ever ready? Right. And now, like, if I would have just been out of college and been like, yeah, I want to be a GA, never even looked at a strength and conditioning book, like, or like, right, that's different. But like, if you've prepared, like, you are ready. And so I say all that to say that that is why I want to lead that way because I've been able, I was thrown into all of that. And that's to me, like, that's the best we I've seen the best results out of athletes that know that I care about them. Mm. And so, yeah, that's, that's my answer. (laughs) Sorry. I, I, I went on a little ramble there, but no, you're good. (laughs) It's, 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 I love it when people just go on their tangents and go, because I think that's when they're really speaking from the heart. Yeah. You know, like that's when they're really speaking their truth. And that's when they're really speaking like, this is me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Rather than this perfect polished, oh, I'm going to lead by doing blah, 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 blah. Like, okay, cool. But like, tell me how Joe Brown is going to do it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think another piece of like that is like being authentic and true to who I am. Like I right, like there are kids that every kid needs, like might need coach differently, but that doesn't mean you have to be a different person to coach them. It just like the way that you approach it. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. so I'll just use an example um, of a kid that I had that, just the the more uh, I don't know how to word it. I've just never I've never really had to struggle with conflict, and I've been fortunate that I have athletes that just do what I ask them to do. And so this was a really good learning experience for me. I had a kid who just I found out later he felt that I called him out, and I I understand like where where we were coming from. Yep. Um, but I, I told him after the conflict, like gave him, we had a week off and I approached him and I was just like, Hey, we know what happened. Like this happened. What can I do to best like coach you? Like now you can't tell me, don't talk to me. Like, cause it's my job. That's not an answer. Yeah. But like, I want, like, what do I need to like, how do I need to coach you? Like, cause Mm. obviously like, me asking you how your day's going, like, maybe you just don't want to, like, you don't want me to ask you that. Like, that's okay. Yeah. Like, I'm going to coach you if, like, your form is bad. I'm going to tell you. Yeah. But, like, how do I need to approach you best? And mm. we had a really good conversation. And, but again, I told him, like, I'm not going to be a different person. And I'm not asking you to be a different person. But we just have to, we have to figure something out. And I think things have been really good since. Um, but I think that's a big piece like I want myself and my staff to be very authentic to who we are. Right. Like now, like 
if you go out and party all the time on the weekends, yeah, I don't want you talking about that to the athletes. They don't like, they don't need to know that, but like, just be authentic and be yourself because again, the athletes read into the fake, the BS, the crap. If you're lying to them, yeah. especially if you're trying to make them practice things that you obviously don't preach. Like, yes. or, yeah. Practice what you preach or you, you, you don't practice what you preach. That's there the right thing. Go. Like, like obviously, like we said, we talk about go to bed at eight 30 and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And like we stay up, but like, for the most part, we like, we know the effects of sleep and we try to get sleep. Yeah. Like even if you're going to bed at midnight, it's because you know you can maybe sleep in a little bit tomorrow or whatever. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't know. I think just authenticity and cultivating genuine relationships. Well, and also to that point, like if you're talking to them, like uh, for instance, about nutrition, right? Uh, because like we don't have dietitians, we don't have nutritionists. And I think there's a lot of people. So you kind of play that role as well. One of the things like I just start off, I'm like, I'm going to provide you with this information. I'm going to let you know that I'm not 100% perfect at this. Okay. Like I make an attempt every day to be good at this, but I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and tell you that I don't drink pop or soda or go to a fast food restaurant or anything like that. Because if so, I would be a hypocrite. Right. And I think that helps bring like their barriers down because if you're telling them like, you should have this much protein at every meal and you should have et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, Hey, look, like <clears throat> I want you to do that. You should do that. I'm going to push you to do that. Right. I'm going to do that myself as well. Right. But that doesn't mean just like you don't, I won't go and grab some dairy queen or something because dairy yep. Queen's where it's at. Right. Um, and if you're not eating dairy queen, I don't know what's wrong with you, but um, this episode is sponsored by team builder. Team builder is the number one performance platform for strength coaches around the world. Their software provides coaches with an elevated experience when it comes to program development, data tracking, and staying connected with athletes and clients. Coaches also have access to consultations with Team Builder's in-house sports scientists to help manage and analyze data. Head to teambuilder.com and sign up with promo code TABLE to start your free 30-day trial. That is Team Builder, T-E-A-M-B-U-I-L-D-R, dot com and sign up with promo code table to start your free 30-day trial coaches this podcast is sponsored by samsung equipment they have been providing elite strength training equipment and professional weight room solutions since 1976 if you value product quality great customer service and a company with integrity make samsung equipment your go-to visit them at samsungequipment.com and let them know the Coach's Table podcast gave you a seat at their table. That is Samsung Equipment, S-A-M-S-O-N Equipment.com. And let them know the Coach's Table podcast gave you a seat at their table. I think if you just tell them up front, right? But I also think there's a ton of value of them seeing you make the attempt. And what I mean by that yeah. is I firmly believe your athletes should... And I don't mean like see you uh, train, but like they should know that you train. I firmly mm-hmm. believe that they should see you eating food that maybe you've prepared, right? And then they ask, oh, hey, what you eating there? I firmly believe that they should see you reading or do some sort of professional development because it sparks conversation and they see you doing it. And that's important because you are a role model to them. 
whether you want to be or don't want to be, you do influence their life, whether you want to or don't want to, just by the sheer amount of time in which you spend with them. And so if they come into your office and you're reading or you're watching a professional video or you're listening to whatever the case may be and you're eating your food and you're drinking your water and you're doing whatever or you just got done with the workout and you're sweating profusely and you're in your office and they walk in, they are like, hey, that person's real. They're doing what they say, right? Um they're not perfect. You're not perfect. And they don't expect you to be. But if you put that effort in and they see it, they respect you more for it. Yeah. I think especially the training piece, like that is, and I, I'll be honest, I have not been training as much. Um, I've been running though. I've been going on my mile run, but I, that's a big part of why I post my training on my social media. I was media. just going to say that. I was. Yeah. Your athletes watch you more on social than what they do in person. Yeah. And I'm not saying just to CYA yourself, but I'm saying like if you show proof of you doing it, they see it. Whether you yeah. want to have them see it or not, or whether you don't know it or not, your athletes watch you on social. Yeah. And so, and like to that point, like posting your meal that you cooked or posting you going for a walk, posting like, again, like they, they're always on their phone. They don't always have the opportunity to just go into your office. So Correct. yeah, what you do in your office and don't post is important, but I think that's why it is really valuable. Like social media, as much as a lot of coaches probably hate it, that's where our athletes are at. That's where our field is at. Like I was just talking yeah. with someone today, like, yeah, yeah, I get to be on a podcast and they're like, oh, who is it? I was like, oh, Kendrick, uh, I don't even know him. I met him on Instagram. Like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah, net, yeah. like that's how I've networked and like met so many coaches that I don't actually know. But like I yeah, have banter right. with coaches all the time, like Always. literally just from Instagram. Mm-hmm. And so I just think social media, does, yes, like it has so much value. And not that like you need to be posting every single lift every single time. But like there is value if your athletes follow you like, oh, shoot coach is back squatting today or oh shoot coach ate a really good looking meal like all of that yes like a hundred percent i agree yeah i think it's got so much value also like to that and then from a professional standpoint i think you can really separate yourself on social because the vast majority of strength coaches are not on social media um or they don't care to be or they don't have time for it yeah whatever um i just don't subscribe to any of that but you can really separate yourself um, as a authority figure, as somebody that's doing the right things, regardless of D1 power five, group five, D2, D3, it doesn't freaking matter. There's high school strength coaches that showcase their stuff and people are like, this person really knows what they're doing. Why? Because they showcase it, right? And um, so I think there's a lot of coaches that should put their stuff out there more. I know there was always this like hesitancy of like, I don't want to show them what I'm doing. It's like, okay, whatever. Like, it's not the lift that you're designing. That's what's making it. It's you coaching it. And unless they can clone you, like you tell me, but anyways, um, I just think it's so powerful. I think it's also a great opportunity for you to kind of set the record straight um, and help athletes because there's so many TikTok and, and, and shit fluencers and all these other people out there that are just putting out terrible stuff. And if you're so qualified, if you're so smart and so intelligent, why don't you put it out there, right? Yeah. Um, because it can help set the record straight. People will recognize you as an authority. And if you're concerned about what people think, who cares? It's not yeah. their life. They aren't paying your bills um, and they're not writing you a check. 
you know. But if you do put yourself out there, there are people that are willing to write you a check, but they don't know about you until you put yourself out. Yeah. I'm a huge well, I think another piece, another thing too is the authenticity piece. Like you can be whoever you want to be on social media. And if you pretend to be someone else on social media, it's real, real easy to see once you see them in person. Yep. And so I think like, I don't really, I'll post my athletes lifts sometimes. Um, mostly I mostly don't because it's just me. So I don't want to be like in their face with a camera. It's not that I'm like, Oh, I have this secret sauce of yeah, 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 programming. Yeah. Cause like, I don't know what I'm doing, but, um, <laughs> but, um, I think that the reason that I've been able to gain, like I have a pretty large, fo- I mean, I have over 3000 followers and granted, I mean, I've lived in five States, like just people I know in general. But mm-hmm. most of the people that I have on on Instagram specifically are strength coaches. And I do think that, like, because of the genuine connections I've created with people I have met, they mm-hmm. share something from me. And then they realize, oh, this person is being a genuine human. Like, yep. now I want to follow them. Like, yep. that's the kind of, co- like, that's the interactions I have with coaches. Like, I don't even know when we started following each other. And I don't yeah. even, I think you randomly were just like, oh, that's a cool video. Or one of us was like, that's Something a like cool that. yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't actually even know. Yeah, me But either. it's like, just genuine connection with people. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, mm-hmm. I think, the, again, like, mm-hmm. that's the type of people we all should be striving to be, is authentic, genuine servant leaders in this field. And I just don't know that there's enough of that. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, and you know, if we want to, like, I also think that there's so many like gatekeepers, which I disagree with, um, that are, you got to do X amount of years before you can make X amount and you didn't do what I did. So you're not, um, ready or you don't get to have this blah, 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 blah. Like, look, I've been there. I've done that stuff. I've been to ranger school i've worked with special operations i've done all these like past this gate to be welcomed into the club type stuff right and like strength coaches like you didn't work 100 hours for twenty thousand dollars a year you don't get to freaking and i'm just like do you realize how dumb you sound when you say that like it's like we have all these skills we have all these master's degrees we have all these phds now and it's like are you going to be compensated appropriately for your phd no okay well is it worth it maybe maybe not you tell me but like i know doctors that make hundreds of thousands of dollars i know people with no degrees that make hundreds of thousands of dollars and so you know it's kind of funny from that standpoint for me um i just think there's so many people that want to be or that were i don't think it's that much anymore but still a little bit that are like these gatekeepers that like you know, whether aren't willing to go to bat for you, aren't willing to push more money. And the whole admin thing is another conversation in itself. But it's just like, if we're going to be a valued member of the team, let me have a seat at the table and let me get paid appropriately, you know? Um, And that to me is just like, yeah. But it's funny because like now strength coaches are becoming recognized more and more for their value that they're providing. And it's like, yeah, we do logistics. Yeah, we work with multiple teams. Like if you're a sport coach and you only focus on your one team, like that's great. But like strength coaches that work with five, six, seven teams or three teams or have to consider all the teams around them 
for scheduling, for a logistics, for programming. Like that's a lot more brain power than you being like, well, we're, we always practice at one. So we're always going to do that. Like that doesn't, you know what I'm saying? Like logistically yep. speaking, it doesn't make any sense. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so it's like a strength coach would be like, hey, can we make a schedule change? And coaches will be up in arms about that stuff. And it's just like, well, we're doing it because it benefits five other teams. And so like, there shouldn't be a big deal, but it's like the end of the world. Cause they're like, it's going to ruin our mojo or we've always done it this way. And it's like, okay, cool. Like that doesn't really matter. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like yeah. you want me to be adjustable, but you can't be like that. It's just stuff like that, that I just get really frustrated with. And so it's like, you do all of that for them to tell you when you're going to do your job. And it's like, I thought you hired me to do the job. <laughs> like, yeah, my favorite is, <laughs> My favorite is when a sport coach comes into your office and is like, I know you're the expert, but, and then proceeds to proceeds tell, to you, tell what you what you should do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're like, you're like, sure. Hmm. Okay. Sure. I will say I have had coaches. I've been very fortunate to work with great sport coaches. Yeah. And the story I'm about to tell you, this sport coach ended up being one of my favorite. Mm. They just, had a lot to learn. They were very old school. And I this is something that I was very transparent with my sport coaches about in our meeting. I was I told them, it's not my job to make your athlete better at soccer. It's Correct. not my job to make your basketball player better at basketball. It's not my job to make your swimmer better at swimming. That is your job. Now, what we're going to do is make them faster, more explosive, stronger, more resilient. I'm going to build you a better athlete to work with to develop those skills. And a lot of some sport, I don't even, I can't even say a lot, but some sport coaches think that like what we do in the weight room needs to mimic their sport. And I'm like, no, you'll never see a golf ball, a tennis ball. Oh, okay. You will see those in the weight room, but like for different purposes, like to roll for, like, for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're not bringing a racket in here. You're not kicking a soccer ball. You're not throwing a football. And I did, I had a sport coach once, Tennis players doing trap bar deadlift. He said, they're never in this position. They're always on their toes. And I said, exactly. That's why we're working the backside. <laughs> and, and also like that, actually, if you look at the bottom of a trap bar deadlift, that kind of is their like ready stance, yeah, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but just like, yeah, I was just like, what? Like, and I had to explain, like, look, everything we do is not going to look like your sport because you're already getting thousands of reps at your sport. Mm -hmm. Like you want us, you want to talk injury. There you go. Overused. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just swing the racket nine more thousand times in the weight room for no reason. But that just was really interesting. And that's why I brought that point up to all the sport coaches. I'm like, you're not, we're not sport specific. That's the stupidest term like yeah yeah i get like injury specific to sport ish but like if you and i've told like people this like if you look at my programs across my teams they won't differ a lot now like okay right. yes like off season in season whatever sure. but like and like we talked about they're all gonna squat hinge push pull carry like they're gonna sprint they're gonna jump they're gonna throw there gonna you go pull. Yeah, like, they're athlete, all going to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's funny on those surveys we had um, a golf or no, 
a football player, and they're all anonymous, so we actually have no idea who says what. Sure. We had a football player say, why are we doing the same lifts as golf? Golfers shouldn't be squatting. What? Like, show me. Show me why. Cool. Thanks for your... Tell me why. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, actually, yeah, they should. They should be freaking strong as crap. Yeah. And they should front squat heavy. And I'm like, there are some golfers that can't even get in that position. So the fact that we can get them there... Is a like, huge dub. Yeah, it's you a huge know? dub. Yeah. So... Yeah, the the term sports specific just irks me. Well, the thing that's frustrating, and for those that are listening, this is not all sport coaches, but we've all come across sport coaches that we've had these interactions with. The thing that, that is frustrating for me is everybody wants to have an influence or a say on what they think we should do, but they don't want anybody to have a say on what they think they should do. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense, right? Um, and so that's really frustrating. I also try to educate coaches on um, my tactical periodization of practices um, and then the four or five coactive model, whatever one you kind of want to believe it in, but the four coactive model or five coactive model, which is kind of the same. It's literally the same thing, but like you just identify player health as the central metric. Um, and then so it's like, you know, are you familiar with that? Like the coactive model and stuff. So like physical, technical, technical and psychological. And all of those kind of intertwine into player health. And it's like when you look at the physical realm, that's our world as strength and conditioning or sport professional, or yeah, strength and conditioning, sport performance professionals, whatever title you want to throw down there. And then the technical and technical is going to be your coaching staff. So your sport coaches that work the skill, which is obviously like the technical component of shooting a ball, hitting a ball, whatever. And then the tactical component of it is like in this particular situation, right? Um, and then the psychological realm, which factors into all of it, which we should say is like sports psychologist's world, which it is, but it's also everybody else's kind of job and secondary duty, right? One thing that we influence a lot, which is why I see a lot of coaches as like motivational speakers, uh, speak, speakers as well. And so it's like, okay, well, when, when we look at that, like we can merge the two, right? And if we look at like dynamic correspondence theories and things of that nature on how we can manipulate particular exercises to reflect sport positions sport times angles things of that nature then yes right but like to your point i mean 90 percent of what we do is gpp right like and you can use vonderchuk you can use dynamic correspondence i mean you pick it you name it but like we can only go up to certain stuff you know like the competitive exercise is the competitive exercise yep. right and that includes all the skill, all the technical and technical components to that. Um, and so, like, you know, we can only help so much, right? We can build you a better product to do better stuff with. But at the end of the day, if the athletes aren't working on their skills, um, we can make them as available as possible and give them the capacity to do X. But if they don't have the skill, like, they're good at their sport, I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but what I'm saying is it doesn't matter as much, right? But now if you um, if you combine solid training with skill acquisition and skill development, now you have somebody that's like, whoa, okay, you've been doing some work, right? And you can see it. Um, but if you don't have that skill component, you know, like, sorry, you're just not yeah. going to be good. You know, like you're just not going to be good. If you can't put the ball in the hoop, I can't help you. I mean, I yeah, like we, I can't yeah. help you. No, like absolutely. 
I can shoot. I can show you that, but like you need skill development, you know? Yep. Yeah. So it's really interesting from that standpoint. I don't know. I get, uh, I have a lot of thoughts, you know? I like it. It was your turn, your turn to ramble there. Yeah. It's just interesting because it's just like, there's so many people that like, okay, like we may know what that stuff is, but like there's so many coaches still that have no idea. Like if we were to say, Hey, like go read the book game changer by Fergus Conley. They'd be like, I've never heard of that in my entire life. It's like, well, you should probably read this because I think your eyes would be open tremendously. Yeah. Um, you should read the process and all these other things and then structure your stuff based off of that, or at least give it some thought. But if you talk to somebody, if you even mention technical and technical, that is far enough for some people. They're like, yeah. I don't even know the difference between the two. And it's like, we got a lot of work to do, right? Yeah. Like, but, um, and some people just aren't interested in that at all. Like, hey, coach, you want to talk about like how we can periodize practice so like our athletes can recover? Because that is what it's all based around is athletes recovering. Because if you crush them every single day and they don't recover, how do you expect them to play well during a game? Mental toughness. Mental toughness. Oh, God. Yeah, mental toughness. But anyways, so um, I'm going to give you the floor, Joe. Anything you want to wrap up on? I don't think so. I think that I talked a lot, though. So. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. No, I think, I think we covered a lot. I think... Yeah, I don't I don't have anything else. Yeah, that's awesome. No, that's good. Um, I just want to let you know that I appreciate you, what you're doing, what you have been doing, where you've been, um, and everything that you got going there. I'm excited for you and your new role. Um, and excited to kind of see how that turns out for you and what a great job you're gonna do. So I just wanna let you know I appreciate you on that. Um and that this was great. This was awesome. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is my first podcast. Let's so go. I'm really excited, I'm honored. Um, and I get like, I think you're doing great stuff too. I love following what you're doing on social. I know you said you haven't been posting as much, um, but I still think just having this podcast, like you're able to connect and network and learn a lot and provide us other coaches value. So thank you a lot for this. Absolutely. Yeah. I've been working. I got some things coming down the pipe that I'm super excited to release. Um, but I'm keeping that in the dark right now. I'll let you guys know right now that I'm, I'm super pumped for it, but, um, I just got to finish it first. So I'm pumped for it. But I love the podcast. The podcast is so fun. It's so, it's great to connect with people like you um, and other coaches and just talk about commonalities, talk about what we, what we see, what we got going on, uh, life, um, all that stuff as well. And like, just get to know people. Um, yeah, sure. We like record it, but I mean, whatever. You know, we were like, talking for an hour before we recorded. So. I know, and now we're an hour and a half in. It's it's okay. So you want, last thing, and then uh, then we're killing this. But it's so crazy because before I started the podcast, I was like looking at like Rogan and a couple of the other like really really big podcasts like Andy and stuff like that, and like Jocko or whatever. And I'm like, yo, these guys are going for like two three hours. I'm like, how the hell am I going to do thirty minutes? Like I could talk to a wall, but I'm just like, there's no way. And what's crazy is like we could have easily like if we started recording when we first started talking, we'd be at like the three hour mark, you know, and it's so crazy how you can get that so fast and it doesn't feel like that. You know what I'm saying? No. You're like, yeah. oh, shit. Like, but so I try to be respectful. I try to like keep people within a respectable time frame, but uh, more times than not when I when we start talking with people and especially it's like your first time actually getting to know them we just talk for hours and it's just like, cool. 
like I really enjoyed that aspect of it. That's why I really like doing this is because I just talk to people and yeah. ask questions and learn and, and everything from that, you know? That's super awesome. Yeah. Three hours later. Crazy. So, all right, let's wrap this up. <laughs> hey guys, look, here's the deal. If you got something from this, all right, share the show. Um, if you, uh, seriously though, if you got, you know, entertained, if you got educated, if you had a thought process that like, man, I think the same thing, do us a huge favor, share the show. Okay. Send it to a friend, let somebody know that this would benefit them and then leave us a review. Okay. Those are the two big things that we ask for you to do. We would appreciate that very much. Do us a huge favor, go follow Jill on social media and reach out to her. Let her know what a great job she did as well. Jill, where can they follow you at? Dude, I don't even an Instagram underscore Jill Brown. I Got think. It. Yeah. Pretty sure. Not that Just, I don't use Twitter or anything else, but Instagram. Yeah. That's awesome. Go follow Jill. She's awesome. And uh she'll run a mile every day for you. So <laughs> Yes. <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, we'll catch you on the next one.